What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up and welcome back to Zen Business. I'm excited to have Santi Pereira. Is that how I say it? Correct. Yeah. Sorry, uh-huh. dude. I should have asked that before the show. It's like close as it gets. Pereira. 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 Okay. Nice. From Uruguay? Uruguay, yes. And educated at Wharton, probably, I don't know, top three business school in the country. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you here today. He um, he is with Lucra Sports today, which is a mobile app for sports betting, which apparently has been booming pretty quickly. So I'm excited to hear about that experience and also some of the other past experiences uh, from, you know, app marketing to growth hacking and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, one, welcome to the show. And two, like, yeah, I'd like to start us off real. Let's just get right into it. Uh, what's the craziest marketing experience you've ever had? I mean, there's <laughs> there's been a lot. I, I started at Snapchat and oh, wow, that I had a lot. That. I was a started as a creative strategist there, like working with that team and you know, being fresh out of college and being told to just go crazy with AR for brands like the NFL or Tinder or Bumble. Like I had never just been told to just be creative, you know, and be like given that range, you know, it was always like peer reviewed studies and like all this like academic context. And I was just like, whoa. But I think actually for this context, I would go with um, an influencer strategy story because I never seen such an ROI <laughs> and I think, you know, we'll definitely go into influencer marketing and boosting posts because I think that's like my main recommendation these days if I, wow. if I had to. Um, okay. But we had a very, I was working for a game at the time called Episode, um, narrative storytelling, kind of first of its kind, choose its own adventure, very romance focused, main audience, like 13, 17 year old women. Um, and we just had like this creator not that big, like 5,000 followers or something, creating content, just like cranking it out. And we're like, this content is getting so many views, so many comments, like, this is great. Like, can I run this as an ad on TikTok? Like, why not? Um, And she was like, absolutely. And I'm like, all right, like, let me pay you. And she's like, no, no, no. I just like love doing this. I was like- the opposite of a normal influencer. (laughs) Yeah, an influencer's like, give me $20,000 now. And like, I paid her something because I, I forget the number, but like just, to actually compensate her for her time and Just effort. make sure you weren't breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, also that. <laughs> um, and that video became like our top ad. Like we were cranking out ads, like maybe like eight new ads, like per week or something, like spending a, a big creative budget. And this like out of nowhere video gathered like 25 million views or something like wow. took about over half of our entire like monthly marketing budget just because it was performing so, so, so well. Um, and I'd say up to that point, you know, like everyone's like, oh, creative matters. You know, the one creative will change your entire like marketing experience. And like, I believed it, but at the same time, until you see it, like you kind of don't believe it in a sense. Um, and at that point I was just absolutely blown away and like just the power of one video and someone who's actually super passionate about your product, like really does shine through. I'd say. Wow. Yeah. I think, um, you like you said when somebody like actually put some umph and some like heart and soul into it the content just comes out so differently so what what was the video that she made can you talk about it yeah 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 um i'd say you know we had a great product to marcus because it was store it was stories basically you know it was like whisper uh we're not familiar with whisper whisper is like an anonymous place where people can like post the crazy stories gotcha happened i think it was gen z as well kind of probably similar um this, yeah, we had user-generated stories. We produced our own stories. So it was cool because we were basically like also a content studio in a sense and mm-hmm. analyzing what people liked and what they chose. So the whole concept was interactive stories. Um, and I think that just made it fun, you know, because I in my head I was like working at Netflix or at like Amazon Studios and I'm marketing a movie like the same way, you know, you'd market a new TV show, I'm marketing these new stories. But all these stories kind of have a similar threat to it as any romance story kind of does. Um, so she just kind of harped on like, it was a parody video. This was actually really interesting because it was almost making fun of her own product, you know? Um, 
but it was authentic, you know, and people laughed and people that knew the app knew, like understood the little jokes and reminded them of it. And people that didn't know was like, oh, there's a funny video. Like, let me at least, at least click and like find out more. And, you know, a tub of funnel, that's all you want. Just like mm -hmm. that initial click. And then you pass the baton to your app store and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Damn, that's pretty awesome. So how much were you spending per day on, on that ad? We were spending a lot. I, I don't know if I should, can get into specifics, okay. um, but I'd say, um, I'd say, yeah, five figures for sure. I'd say just like I'd purely on TikTok and boosting this ad and just like getting it up there. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think there's something to be said about like when you get a, a knockout piece of creative, especially if it's user generated content, because you know, it can be making ROI and you just scale and scale and scale. I mean, we, we have this funny story internally. We hired a, a paid actor and um, nobody knew his name. We paid him like a hundred bucks to make a video and he, he became walking guy. And how'd you find this guy? Uh, we just found him through a creator, uh, a marketplace. Gotcha. And we gave him a hundred bucks and he recorded a video. That one video has gotten $550,000 in ad spend in the last like six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you never know. The dude is for sure a celebrity and like nobody even knows who he is. He's yeah, just walking yeah, guy. Yeah. Well, this was a, well, I really like this, you know, like I did feel bad about the little compensation that we gave this person because at the time, you know, we just wanted to compensate her for what they did. But her account grew from like, yeah, as I said, like 5,000 followers to like by the time I left, 120,000 followers. So she got a big, big boost from yeah, our own media as well. In a different way. Yeah. And, you know, and I still use that to this day. You know, when you get an influencer that slash creator, I don't love the term influencer, <laughs> um, that, you know, demands a little more money than you have or something, like you really can't elaborate on the benefits of working with a brand, you know, and boosting your content and, they're gonna get more views and they're gonna get more engagement and their face is just gonna be out there more and they're just gonna get more attention. That's not to say, you know, you shouldn't pay them or you should pay them very little as brands sometimes want to do with mm -hmm. creators, which I'm, you know, I respect the hustle and I think they should be paid appropriately. Um, I also think, you know, they should be realistic to the benefits of working with big brands, you know, and if Pepsi comes and wants to work with you, you should absolutely say yes. Yeah, like even if, if they're not meeting your rate or whatever. Yeah, I, I think at least internally, when, you know, our, our creative process, we produce between 35 and 50 videos before we launch a campaign because we want a big fishbowl of creative to work with because we do a lot mm -hmm. of A-B testing. So, of course, our budget gets spread thin and we can't pay the creators that much in the, in the beginning. But once we have a, 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 con a piece of content that's like booming, then, you know, we go and work with them a bunch more because mm -hmm. they're obviously resonating with our audience. So I think, you know, it kind of comes with the, the territory of, you know, uh, running a lean campaign at first because you're really trying to get ROI out of it, you know? 100%. So uh, did you use TikTok Spark ads or did she just film a video and then you guys, you know, posted it to your profile and, and boosted it? it was we did, we did Spark TikTok. ads. We did Spark ads. Spark. And I'm a big fan of Spark ads. I think I I honestly haven't seen a product that, that that's worked as well Wow. Um, in can my you, experience. Yeah, can you... Just tell the audience like how do spark ads work yeah absolutely so i'd say spark ads are <laughs> and i turned to instagram to explain it because everyone's seen that sponsored <laughs> like story on instagram um but yeah say you john post your video to your personal account uh, but you're wearing you know one of my t-shirts from my apparel brand and i just ask you for the link and you give me that link and i bake it into like my ad campaign and then you know it'll run side by side with you know, a regular video ad that I uploaded, you know, a very polished video of my shirt and the embroidery on it and everything on it. Um, but again, your video is authentic. Maybe you're just cooking and walking your dog, but you're wearing the shirt and that will be much more interesting than like, here are the 10 reasons why you should buy this t-shirt. Like <laughs> people are, people are tired of ads. People have seen every single type of ad, like they know what's out there. So you really got to surprise them and, you know, as a Snapchat evangelist, I'm all about the first three seconds because that's like what I was foundationally taught. It's like, that's how you grab attention and it still holds true whether you're on YouTube or CTV or radio even, like you just you just gotta grab attention. And if you don't do it in the first moment, you're not gonna get it later on. Yeah, yeah, we, we have our whole creative process structured around the hook. You know, mm -hmm. something that is gonna be startling or surprising or just unexpected 
So we always put that in the beginning of the video, but I think you bring up something that I'm, I'm really curious and I want to dig more on, but just to confirm, so Spark adds the creator posts, they give you the post ID, you link that to your ad account, you run it and you basically farm their audience and their content. And then of course, you know, bring people who are engaged in their content. Correct. Um, yes. And so, all right, now creator content, UGC content, that is basically all we use as a growth agency these days. High production commercials, like well, like, you know, branded logo, like heavy, heavy production stuff, it doesn't perform in ads. Like our, like I said, the, the, the walking guy video is a selfie video he took while walking down the street. Yeah. And, and that's like one of our best performers. And so it's it's been really fascinating to watch the- Across every channel you talk? That one, we ran it on Pinterest, Snap, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I think we spent the most on like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. That makes sense, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it performed on all platforms. It has like a 4.9% click-through rate right now. That's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's like unheard of, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it just goes to show the point that you're making, which is like UGC is winning. And so, um, you know, now that you're at Lucra Sports and you're heading up, you know, performance marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're doing all the results marketing, getting them probably downloads, right? Correct. Yeah. So are you guys using UGC for that? I mean, I know you got like the whole sports component. It's a sports betting app. So like, yeah. are you guys doing any UGC plays on the, on that for, for growth? Yeah. Um, it's been really interesting, honestly, because it's, you know, going from the game that I worked with appealing to a much broader audience, you know, the kind of everywhere um, to, you know, the sports industry and sports wagering. Um, I think the one of the main you know learnings that I've had is kind of like niche marketing, you know. So I came in and I was like, oh, like so ready to apply the same strategy that I had applied to the mobile game I worked for. I was like, okay, broad it works, like that will get you the lowest CPI. Like let's just appeal to everyone and we're gonna get it out there. Just you know, put money on Facebook, put money on TikTok, put money on Snapchat, let it run, and you know you'll optimize and find that audience. Um, but what we've found is that as a new brand, as a new app, as you know, being in that niche category, um, we do have to align ourselves closer to the audience that we want and be very selective, I'd say, in terms of who we work with. So UGC does work really, really, really well. But when we work with, you know, sports betting creators specifically, you know, and it's their content. Um, versus, you know, we've hosted watch parties with former NFL athletes and that's super cool. And, you know, they're really, really awesome. Um, but the people they're speaking to aren't the people that we're trying to sell to. So the results aren't necessarily there. Um, so while I sometimes love some projects from like a brand perspective, cause I'm like, this is really pushing our brand forward, you know, from a, a performance marketing, it comes down to your CPI, CPI, KPIs. Yeah. Um, and we have really found that when we align ourselves with the right creators in the right space instead of going super, super broad. Yeah, so I, I wanna dig a little bit deeper on that. So who is your target audience and what are the avatars or the creators that match to that audience well? Like what's performed well? Absolutely, so Lucra, Lucra Sports and Games. Um, I have to plug it, <laughs> Android and iOS. That's all good. Um, you know, is, is different from everything that's out there in, in the sports and sports betting world, you know, like we've all gotten the DraftKings and FanDuel and a lot of other apps out there that are trying to be in the space, but Luger is all about the casual user. Um, and it's about, you know, people, honestly, people like me, you know, like I applied to Lucra, like I went to the interview process and I wanted to be super, super transparent with them from the start. like. I don't follow the NBA. I don't follow college basketball. Like sports really aren't my thing. I'm way more into Bravo than I am into sports. <laughs> um, but they love that because they're like, all right, if you can get the Santis of the world to like download this app and be on it and love it, everyone else will be easy to get, you know? Like it's all about the cash flow user. And within that, we're very, very proud to have a user base that over indexes on female users compared to any of the other apps in the wow. space, you know? Um, I think about 30% of our users are female these days, which is so awesome to see and so awesome to foster. And that gives, you know, me fuel to pursue partnerships and projects that really bring in more of this female user base. 
Um, we're also really young, you know, our product is 18 plus, um, which allows us to target, you know, the college demographic a lot more. Um, and since we're friend to friend, um, I'd say there's less of that income barrier than, you know, there is to join, you know, the big online scary sports books that I would personally never join yeah. myself. Yeah, that's interesting. I think a lot of smart apps, I think, are, are going like we have a, a, a project that we're running a, a golfing app and it's made for casual golfers and it kind of makes fun of golf culture. And I, yeah. I you know, I appreciate that because I golf like culture golf. is fun. They have fun with it. Like. Yeah. And like, but I suck at golf. So <laughs> it's like, I don't want to have some like super high tier app that's going to be daunting to me. I just want to use it. So I think your take rate, I mean, it's, it's obviously showing, you know, success that you got females on the, on a sports betting platform. Yeah. What are they betting on soccer? Uh, no, everyone loves the NBA. The NBA really? is, is big. Um, and now we, we just had our first foray into college sports with March Madness. Um, oh, wow. Which was fascinating, you know, because everyone knows, you know, the big schools and, and, but knowing the individual players and, you know, putting money on the individual players was kind of a new model that we were testing out. And it worked really well. People really, really liked it. And I think it also made people more invested in the game itself because it's not just like, Oh, Duke or Villanova or whatever. It's just like, yeah. oh, like this guy. And I don't know anything about him before, but now I have money on him and I'm on his Instagram. And, you know, it, it's cool. I, it's a different type of product, but I like working for something that's different. I like doing what nobody else is really doing out there. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely something to be said about. I mean, obviously, like people appreciate things they pay for. So, of course, you're going to watch the game if you got money on <laughs> exactly. it, right? Exactly. And so it, it creates more and engagement for everybody. You know, increasing the fan experience like that's our yeah, many goals but that's probably our number one priority um yeah you know be that fun. we're on the golf course playing against each other and we use the app to wager some money between us like i'm already more in, into the game you know and if even if Damn. we're just watching a game together i'm more invested than i was before and you know if you're super super into sports like i don't have to play against you you know i can play against the guy who is just as in, into sports as I am. And maybe we have the same <laughs> level of knowledge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like there's definitely like a viral quotient to the platform. Do you guys have like, what, what, what kind of viral techniques or referral programs are built into it? Like, do you have to invite a, another user to play to get the most value from the app? Like, what's that look like? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that's really, really interesting for us because we're pretty much the only social wagering platform there is, you know? So like, while it may take me X amount of money to acquire a user, if that user just brings on their wife or best bud or dad or grandma or whoever, like they have my CPA and that's the beauty of it. Um, so we're very actively working on, you know, social features that will kind of enhance the social experience. So there's that FOMO aspect and more people want to be on it and come on it because, um, you know, you want to see what your friends are up to when you don't want to be left out. But we also have an awesome public feed and that's really, really picked up in the last few months. So people are wagering, you know, all over the country with each other. You know, people in California are wagering against people they don't know in Florida and Texas and Wisconsin and so many different states. And that's rare, you know, because you're usually betting against the house or with your bookie and it's shameful and you don't talk about it because it's dirty. And like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to really go into that. But, you know, we're trying to bring it into the light and make it casual and make it fun and people seem to really really like it and i think now it's just an awareness and you know conversion situation where we just need to make enough people know what it's about yeah and how are, how are you guys monetized Do you take a cut of every bet or yeah we monetize on the sports side so lucra offers both sports and games product um, the games product, be it, you know, we go bowling or we do a push-up challenge or mm -hmm. a staring challenge, like anything. Um, and that's completely free, you know, because we realize in the money monetary exchange world, like you have Venmo, you have Cash App, you have a ton of apps that just, you have cash <laughs> that you can just kind of exchange between friends. Um, but then on the sports side of things, you know, because we do have to have the data provider and the live updates and the contest settling and all that stuff, we take a 5% on the winner's fees, which is not bad compared to yeah, a loss, the losses a lot of people take on other apps. <laughs> yeah, small price to pay. Exactly, exactly. Damn, so now, are, 
do you have like a prompt in the app that says like, hey, invite a friend to this bet? Like, mm. how, how are you guys building that viral quotient in there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a whole section in social and finding your friends. And within that, we have a very nice large banner that <laughs> tells people, you know, the amount of money that they're going to get for bringing in their friend and how much money their friend will have in their account when they start. We're fully a freemium model, you know, so no one needs to make a deposit to get started, which is really cool. And that really is unique in the space um, because we believe in the product and we're like, if you and a friend try it, you're going to use it again. Like we've seen the data and it is sticky. So that's really good. Um, we also have a loyalty program, which I kind of spearheaded the launch off, which was really cool. Um, and with that came also our apparel brand, you know, so it's like refer two friends and you re reach, I think it's rookie level and you get a free hat and then you keep moving up through the ranks until you're a hall of famer. Um, and the honest, the best way to get across those levels is through referrals. You know, each dollar wagered counts, but the fastest is referrals and that's what we value the most for sure. Yeah. So do you, do you know, just by the metrics, like how many users on average, somebody like if you acquire one, is it like, that turned out to be 1.2 users or 1.5, you know, the amount of like yeah. people that they bring on. Do you know that? Um, it's honestly changed so much, you know, because like we're, we're experimenting with so many channels and sources and each month it's, it's like, it's so changes. hard to track. And then, you know, Super Bowl, big, big, it's like, you know, the, the biggest day of the year for sports. So yeah, we jack up our referral, um, bonus. And, you know, we obviously see that increase for February, but then, March, we're like, all right, we should be a little more conservative. You know, we shouldn't just Everyone's be doling out the They're like, all right, I'm not going to play today. I mean, people catch on, you know, like the amount of people, especially all my friends in New York, like with DraftKings being fully legal, there, all the online sports books, like everyone's doing all the all the scams and little mm -hmm. tricks and stuff like that. Um, and we're aware of that. You know, we have an awesome tech team and they're all over that and they're constantly, you know, flagging users for suspicious activity and quick withdrawals and things like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole, but, but it's the industry that we're in. And, yeah, and nature. But it's really cool once you find the, like, the good quality users and they leave you a review and they're really into it and they bring their friends and you're like, oh, I'm actually building a product for real people and yeah, they really like it. It's not just some scammer running a bot farm in exactly, India or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, we, we worked with a project. Um, um, it, was, it was not sports betting, it was... Um, Trivia, mm -hmm. and so there were very you know, hot space too. <laughs> yeah, and so there was like a, a production team who would do a show every Thursday, and scammers just flooded the platform. They were like, they wrote bots that would like know answers to all the questions and Insane. then win the rewards, and then like they'd be taking like a thousand, two thousand dollars from the company at a time as part of the you know the reward yeah. system. And, and your marketing model definitely did not factor that one in. <laughs> well yeah, thankfully it's, it wasn't my business, it was a client of ours, but that you know that just showed me the um just the kind of the risk that comes with this kind of platform. So like, you know, I guess I got two questions for you. One is what's the legal environment? Can you market this freely on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc.? Um yeah, that was definitely a hurdle that I should have researched more before joining, yeah. you know, because I fully thought I was going to come in, you know, get my creators, like get them posting on TikTok and boosting their ads with Spark ads, which I love. And I'm like, you know, the rest is history. Like, yeah. we're good. And obviously, TikTok has a freaking magnifying glass on them and they're being very, very careful about the ads that are on their platform. Um, so... Is anything it against policy? What's that? Is, is betting against policy? I don't know. So everything, um, anything involving real money really um, is mm. not allowed on the platform right now. So any of our ads that had a dollar mark, you know, automatically like flagged and stuff. And oh. we had a few ads kind of sometimes go through that they'd be fine with leading to a specific landing page. But overall, yeah, it's, you know, I don't, ha I didn't have all the toys that I had before working with TikTok. So um, had to switch over. Um, I'd say Snap has an awesome like policy and they're very open and very easy to work with. And obviously having worked there, I know people to talk to and mm -hmm. all those things, but I, I don't think, you know, I had any advantage over, over anyone else. Um, Google's a bit tricky, but we're getting there and it's kind of like a state by state situation, which is fascinating. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
Yeah, I was going to ask it you. It changes a lot, but but we're getting there. Yeah, it's the very nature. I mean, one day, like, for example, like, I think it was, like, Q3 last year, Q4, Facebook was just denying everything. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember, like, everything was, like, just sweeping yeah. ad disapprovals and ad account suspensions and stuff like that. And then it ended. Now, that was when they shifted from human to AI. Mm-hmm. So I think it was mostly just bugs on their part. But um, I was going to ask about alternative channels that you're running. Like, we've played around with Pinterest. we played around with Twitter, uh, Snap is also great for any any kind of fringe offer. Have mm-hmm. you have you tried any alternative channels and had success, like maybe Quora or anything else? Um, I'd say we've we definitely tried Twitter. Twitter and sports like go hand in hand. You know, like everyone's you know there's an NBA game and everyone's talking about it, mm-hmm. and they do a great job of pushing it. But I mean, I I don't think I'm the first person saying this, but like Twitter just doesn't perform. Like it it's never performed for me. Like maybe you've had success with some products, but like I. I, you know, the CTR is low, like the conversion rate is terrible. Um, Pinterest really does not align with the audience that we're looking for, um, just because it is so, so, so female and also so e-commerce. Like I haven't, um, and even with the episode game that I worked with before that was very, very female focused, like Pinterest at the time at least didn't seem to be driving the performance that we needed. Um, what What I have seen success with has been very alternative channels which i hadn't worked with before um radio being one of them like very 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 surprisingly Um, and we do that based on promo codes even you know we don't we can't hook up our apps flyer to the radio ads um and we are still getting good conversion i just think the intent there is so freaking high like you're in your car you're here an ad for an app and then you have to wait to get home remember the name of it, remember the promo code for it, download it. But if you did all of that, like you're good. Like you're, you, you, you're into it. And, yeah. Instant power user. And the retention like shows for it for sure. It's expensive, but wow. like it's a good quality user. How does the CPI compare on radio to say Facebook, Instagram ads? I'd say at least like four or five X, um, on radio yeah on radio wow so it's high it's high it's high i'm not saying it's cheap and it's definitely for a high ltv product like you know in the industry that i'm in um would have absolutely never done it for mobile gaming where you know you need those three dollar cpis or or lower Mm -hmm. um ctv has also you know everyone's talking about it i think last year the big boom of it um we work with vibe if you're familiar with them uh, I haven't. We haven't done a lot of CTV. So uh, I'm curious, like, you yeah. know, which platform you buy them from and, like, kind of how are you approaching that? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them. I don't think they're particularly all that <laughs> differentiated. Um, and I pushed Although they would tell you differently. They would tell you. I would absolutely say differently. <laughs> yeah, special technology. Yeah. Um, to me, it was the offerings. Like, I, you know, Vive is an awesome team. They're a company that started in, I think, Paris. Um, and I met them at MAU. Um last summer um they did a big activation there and i think it paid off because i was like oh i really like these guys like they really have something to say um and i think they're just bolder you know they have more channels um i talked to a couple other companies and they were like you know like we just don't feel super confident about the connectivity with the mmp and you know connecting with these channels and i'm like i need sports and i need them now you know and i need real sports i don't need like bs like free channels like mm-hmm. those are not going to get you quality like i i'm prepared to pay a premium but i need like the premium to be worth it you know i want to be on espn and i want to be on the nfl network you know and and yeah it's expensive but but again the quality is good and very very high intent so what is the um are there minimums on the media buys ctv CTV no vibe is off vibe is like the now I'm doing an advertising <laughs> shameless but, plug uh, no but no they deserve it they work hard um they try to be like the Facebook of CTV so you could literally go and I've done this I've created my own campaign selected the channels I want to run on wow um you can do like a hundred dollars a day if you want to you just need a landscape creative under thirty seconds um and you know obviously it's it has to be appropriate for CTV. But I will say, I think like UGC would still work very well because no one's doing UGC. And if I have it up on my big ass TV and suddenly there's like a really weird video, like I'm going to pay attention. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be so unexpected. That's part of why I'm, I'm curious about CTV because it's like, and for those listening, that's connected TV yeah. and, you know, that's digital media buying through, you know, self-serve media that you can buy TV ads and you can even buy billboard ads with that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. That's I haven't that. tried, but I really want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I want to try it too. Like yeah. we've, we've always been on kind of like the, you know, the, the walled gardens like Facebook, Instagram, Google, et cetera. But that's why I'm kind of frontiering into these other channels. And looking at CTV, like I was going to ask you, like what kind of creative you're running there? Because, I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like the most um, classy branded presentation of the of the company. If you run UGC, user generated content on the ad, yeah, you know, on ESPN. But like, it's so relatable. Like, yeah. You know, what, what are you guys running in terms of creative strategy there? Uh, we've experimented. Um, I did like, you know, you're, we were talking UGC and I'm fully aligned and like it being the the ad that works in the moment. But to me, creative is also kind of like a pendulum, you know, like if everyone's doing UGC, you don't want to be you doing do UGC opposite, yeah. and like so forth. Um, so we actually recorded a commercial, um, this awesome production company based um, out of Hermosa Beach called Media Nug. My old boss at Snapchat actually branched out and started something. Um, so they were very good, you know, I was like, explain the situation, you know, we're small, lean, like we wanna make a polished ad, but we don't have a hundred thousand dollars to, mm-hmm. you know, go crazy on it. And, you know, they took that, we filmed it all in a day, you know, public golf course, local bar that we're friendly with, so they're not gonna charge yeah. us, friends living room, you know, like very scrappy. <laughs> homey, scrappy, lean. but like, it looks great. It's very polished. I'm like so proud of it. Damn. Um, but I'm not going to say it like blue performance out of the water, you know, because it's a standard ad. And then I loaded in a UGC one and it actually had a better CTR. And oh it's like God. I grab my phone and I'm like, hey, guys, like, what's up? Like download Lucra. And that performed. I got not like no 2x way. or anything, but like slightly better, you know. So it's I don't think you need that like 20000 even $10,000 budget. Like you can do pretty cheap like CTV for sure. Wow, that's crazy to think about. It, it just it it seems like it's uprooting the whole old you know uh, Madison Avenue style marketing. I mean, agency. dude, I tried buying like traditional TV because I was like, oh, like you know, like that will legitimize us. That will get our brand out there and like all these things and the amount of hurdles that I run into. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh, ESPN like approves, but Disney doesn't, and now we need our lawyers involved and like all oh this stuff. God, and now it's like, oh, this ad. Um, was not approved because of this one and it's like all these tiny things and there's so many people involved and it's just like once like i opened that vibe and i created my campaign i was on espn in like four hours like that like you can't how do you compete with that anymore you know like it's so different yeah i mean that's that's honestly pretty inspiring you know it's like i i I opened up a, a podcast advertising platform and I was able to record an audio ad with their AI mm. and it, it actually sounded cohesive and normal, like a real human. Yeah. And so now I'm about to run audio ads and see how they perform. I, I guess, have you ever run any podcast ads for it? Yeah. For, for Luca? Yeah. 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 yeah they it. Uh, which I don't want to disincentive. I see. From. Um, no, I mean, I got different audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's no, worth an AB testimony. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I was dying to test out podcasts and I thought, I was like, if radio is doing so well, like why would a podcast not like yeah. it's a more tech forward audience, you know, because they're loaded the podcast, all that stuff. Um, it's, you know, you can be more picky with where you're running and, you know, with shows and all these stuff. But I don't know conversion just wasn't there when we ran. And I'm not saying I don't believe in podcasts. Like, I think we need to retry it and try different mediums and different creative strategies. But I think with podcasts, you really want, I think if you can involve the host, if you can get the host there, like it's going to be worth, worth, worth the effort for sure. Cause I think even when I listen to a podcast, I tend to hit the 15 second as many yeah. times as I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so many different products and new ones out there in the market now, like testing budgets are, you, you kind of need it. Otherwise you're never going to find like your next, like, niche for it yeah i mean and, and no campaign like you know for anybody listening like any, any campaign that is like a blowout like i there's there's been no campaign that i would say has lasted maybe longer than six months at a very max really you're looking at like two to three month 
uh, runtime of, of you know high ROI before you campaign. saturate the yeah, yeah before you got to do new creatives try new platforms and, and a B test and I guess that leads me to my next question for you like um you know what what kind of testing budget do you use to validate a channel you know and how many you know how do you go about your a B testing process yeah um, I'd say every channel is different that's the reality you know with some you can spend five thousand and kind of know like if they're worth spending more you know um, especially if they are even unable to spend the 5,000, you know, cause I've had, uh, demand type platforms where they're like, all right, like, like they're so excited to run the test. I'm like, all right, let's do it. But I'm like, but I don't want to run on all of your sites. You know, I want like sports specific and like my audience and everything. And they can't spend more than $80 a day, for example. And I was like, well, you were so excited to run and now you can't seem to be doing and they're you know and then they're like race the bids and i'm like i'm not okay like let's not get crazy here because yeah. <laughs> the results are not going to be there um others are bigger you know and as i said like with radio for example like if i only spent five thousand there probably would have been super freaked out by the cpa and you know the, these guys would have never had a chance to optimize the creative never had a chance to optimize mm -hmm. for different stations and geographies and sports and you know you have to spend a healthy amount that you can test the required variables, but I mean, don't spend more than you need. Like cut your losses if, if you know something's not working. And this is tough, but I will say like a lot of times you have to go with your intuition. Like I'm sure you, you know this, like mm -hmm. qualitatively, you're like, would I download or buy this product from this like journey? And like, if it sounds unrealistic, it probably is unrealistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are exceptions to that. But in general, I mean, half of our job is just analyzing data, getting statistically significant data, looking at click through rates across ad sets and saying like, OK, this is the winner. But the truth is, is that like you, you never really know. And it's it's really an intuitive decision. And I think that's why junior marketers kind of you, you can't just rely on like only the data. The data mm -hmm. honestly tells a great story for management, for clients, like just hardening your 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 case you know your business case but the truth is is like you know uh it, it's it's very contextual and intuitive and art uh, and science like that's what i always say i'm like it's yeah not, it's not just data like ever yeah one of the uh one of the breakout campaigns that we ran for our own company k and j uh you know we market for apps so we're trying to get app clients and we have this whole uh narrative around unicorns and rocket ships like these different concepts it's like how our products are named and stuff like that yeah and so they uh, i did a selfie video and they put a unicorn like an animated unicorn on my face or they put my my face on a, a unicorn body so Ooh, like very embarrassing but, yeah, had, like, but like rainbows and like sparkly music and stuff talk and about was, a hook <laughs> yeah it was like the ultimate hook and this was one of our first uh you know campaigns we did this back in like 2020 that like really crushed it like that one video um, it got like 5 million views and, um, we, we ran, you know, we had like Charizard from like Pokemon and then we had like the unicorn and a few other ones just really like laughable, like the power Rangers and stuff. And we used those in our ads and they crushed it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely crushed mm -hmm. it. I love that. And that, that was really what took us, uh, as a business to the, to the next level. Um, but before then, I think we were doing like 40 K a month in revenue. After we ran that campaign, we broke a hundred K a month and then we got to like, Within a couple of years, uh, you know, got to 300K a month just from runoff from that campaign because we collected 2,000 leads in the life of that campaign. Mm -hmm. And then I personally sold, I don't know, probably like 25 to 30 clients on that. The row, the ROAS on the campaign was 5.5x uh, for month one. And most of our clients are on a six month retainer, LTV of $30,000. So if we uh, pay, you know, $2,000, $1,000 to acquire a customer, I mean, it's literally like 30x. And it was all because I was willing to like put my face on a unicorn and, and a embarrass of, myself. And a lot of founders aren't like a lot of founders are just like embarrassed to like, you know, be the face of it or like reticent to do that. And like, I think it's so important, you know, like if one day like I'm like running my own like thing, like I think, you know, you want to make it relatable. You want to make it authentic. And I think even in, you know, in the B2B space, like you want to know who this team is and like have a face to the name. Yeah, and like in B2B can be kind of like stodgy and like stuffy. And if 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 I'm willing to like be self-deprecating and like make a joke out of it, they know that like this guy is vulnerable, he's not taking himself too seriously and like there's a certain trust that's established there. Yeah, I agree. And you know, 
I love the angle of the podcast that's all about, you know, also like the wellness. And I think to me, something that's really, really important about like being a high performer and like doing well and like delivering results is, you know, being your authentic self and like not really trying to put on an image that is not really who you are because then you're expending your energy into that instead of actually like driving those results. And to me, that's such a clear sign of someone even like, I want to work with it's like if they're not afraid to put themselves out there because I'm like if you have that worry then you're worrying about a lot of other things that we shouldn't be at like let's talk about work yeah they don't ultimately matter yeah like yeah I mean we've had we've launched 300 plus campaigns served probably over 100 clients at this point and um, if I get the sense that the client is um, like in a closed mental space he has a lot of limiting beliefs and doubts then I pretty much know the relationship is not going to work mm-hmm. out. They're, they're not going to be willing to take creative risks in the ads, and they're not going to be willing to scale hard when we have a winning campaign that's making, let's just say, 5 or 10x you know, ROAS return on ad spend. And so that's kind of like a red flag for me. So um, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because obviously the show is called Zen Business, yeah. and it's kind of like um, how do we bring mindfulness into work because, one, I mean, just humility and authenticity are are piercing you know they they can cut through all of the bs in my opinion but then on the other side of it you you don't have this kind of emotional attachment that to to everything that happens like a lot of founders have like a really unhealthy connection to their product and Mm -hmm. i i did that you know with my first app that i made i just i i I cared too much about it it was my baby if somebody called it ugly you know i take it personally and now every day i'm trying to call my baby ugly and it's like (laughs) how, how can i um be more vulnerable and especially on the show you know it really helps to like open people up and and offer up that first state of vulnerability and i mean like listen like i i think like coming to the u.s like i grew up in uruguay like spent like all of my adolescence like from zero to age 19 there like i was like okay this is like my big you know opportunity the whole like american dream all that stuff and then at Penn and Warden, you know, like day one, like we're in suits and they're teaching us how to present and like professionalism. And you're going to these networking sessions and I'm going to Goldman Sachs on like a Friday afternoon. And like, I was so convinced that you had to be so professional and like put together and everything like in this work setting. And then when I finally ended up in tech, I was like, wait, like I can dress and like wear the shoes that I like and like say what I want and like, curse within reason and like do all these things and I'm like this is so much better and I'm actually not worried about you know where's my suit jacket or my shoes shined for this meeting I'm actually thinking about the meeting and not like how I'm presenting myself because I'm confident in how I'm presenting myself yeah you can have your hair of an angel in a meeting and just rock it exactly and people love it people love it <laughs> yeah and i mean I, I i i just really resonate with that like I, I worked at comcast before and it was floor 52 boardroom with like 100 seats and i would present marketing plans in a, a, a suit with a tie on and stuff and it was it's it's so and i I had a great experience working at the company. I'm not trying to troll them at all. No, but it's just, it's a very different experience when you can be so authentically you because in that environment, I'm trying to put on that I'm this big, you know, important businessman when in practicality, like in a, in a setting like this, it's like, what is actually going to work? Like, what's the creative that's going to like, you know, blow people's yeah. minds and stuff. And, and in that environment, you get super high production commercials. In this environment, you get stuff that converts, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, I... I'm sure you've read some Russell Brunson books, but I'm I'm reading um, Expert Secrets right now, and that one's all about like being the expert for an industry, which is you know why part of why I'm leaning so heavily into apps because I got Mm -hmm. all this experience Mm -hmm. with it, and he he, he's a big believer that like the the face of the brand is more important than the brand, right? Like the the person people connect with humans, they don't connect with companies. You know, you ask a kid like who their you know what their favorite. you know, show is they're going to talk about a person. They're not going to necessarily talk about, you know, Walt Disney. Yeah. You know, yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even though obviously that brand does really well with their, their branding, but, um, you yeah. know, it's tough to say because I, I love branding. Like I'm so, I, yeah. at my heart, I would love to just be a brand marketer. I think it's like so cool. So fun. Um, but, but no, I agree. You know, like these days, I, I got I, I feel like, sorry, I've said it eight times, but like authenticity is the name of the game. Like people just want it to be genuine and like 
even like the big fortune 500 fortune 100 brands like are now getting away with just being like pepsi anymore you know like people want those tiktoks in the office and you know you have the the ceo of tiktok coming on tiktok and doing a video and it's like that would have been unprecedented like yeah. 10, 10 years ago it's been. And, and probably called unprofessional you yeah know? like old stodgy people might have been like oh we would never do that you know yeah exactly now you said you you filmed a selfie ad for the the tv spot that you put on espn yeah see i think that's really impressive because it's like first of all you got to be comfortable enough just to say even if this is a complete like failure i'm gonna give it a try mm -hmm. secondarily you're like putting your face out there like you know broad national tv and mm -hmm. i i just think there's something to be said about that well i was I, again when i was at snapchat like first job out of college and everything i had to film myself so many times because like all we pitch would be like ar lenses you know and my old co-workers and i like we still joke to this day we're like there's so many videos of us just floating around in decks <laughs> like being shown like all over and like it's weird but by the 10th video you filmed you're like it's my face and like there's nothing to be embarrassed about like i'm doing my job and like i'm sorry if you're making fun of me like i i don't really care yeah i'm the one having fun with it if you got a problem it's yeah problem. i'm like sorry i'd rather be doing this than doing whatever boring ass job you are doing yeah literally like i didn't sign up to be an accountant here yeah exactly exactly i mean i think yeah exactly there's a place for professionalism in certain industries and even certain meetings i go to i'm not saying you know every meeting you should be wacky and crazy and wear like your spring break t-shirt but, <laughs> um, but when you can like embrace it and when you can't like you know you adapt to the environment and figure it out so do you guys have a face on the brand of uh of lucra is the ceo willing to film <laughs> that's always our question for yeah. our clients like are you willing to film yeah yeah now um dylan dylan is awesome about getting himself out there and i think especially at the stage we're at where we raced our series a last year um, we're racing our Series B right now, like going into the summer. Um, all press is good press, in yeah. turn wise. Um, but he's, you know, he's all about it. He um, was just at Columbia, like recording with for the sports business podcast there. We're doing a project with the graduate students there that are getting their sports industry masters, and they're all presenting. So, um, yeah, we really believe, and you know, we're all young and dylan just graduated from like stanford business school so like we got the whole game and you know giving the story and the founder story is super super important so yeah i don't think founders should be hiding behind anyone even you know if you're self-conscious about your image or your accent or your background or whatever like embrace it and i think it's just like way better than trying to cover up for it and lie about it like there's no point for it yeah all. i mean in one way it is a lie and you know it's funny because when we record um we record ads in this studio we record podcasts of, of course and oftentimes you fuck up you make mistakes oh yeah <laughs> and sometimes i'm like no morgan let's keep it like just let me let me have that ab where i stumbled on my words because it's like this is just a real human and humans make mistakes and i'm gonna own that and i'm not gonna be ashamed of it and you know, hearing, hearing that you moved from Uruguay to the U.S., obviously your English is like perfect. I didn't even know that like, well, English was your second language. Yeah. And that, since I'm learning Spanish, I'm like, my God, that must be so hard. And Spanish is tough. <laughs> well, I mean, I heard English is the hardest language. Yeah. So, you know, you've you, you put yourself out there, you moved to the country, you learned a new language and now you're thriving in this environment. I just I think that's really impressive. Thanks, man. Um, so like you know, t talk to me a little bit about your mindfulness habits. Do you do you do things like meditation and journaling or like how do you what makes you you, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, I a lot of habits I picked up after I moved to L.A. about four years ago. And, you know, all my New York friends are like, oh, you're so LA. Like, yeah, they so... just laugh and you just laugh back. And I'm like, and, it, and it's like, yeah, if I saw myself four years ago, I'd be like, oh, who is that man? Like, what is he <laughs> Who's doing? Who's that douchebag? Yeah, but, um, but I love it. And like, to me, it's like, yeah, I would have called myself a douchebag. But like, no, all yeah, the country, I think it's like, I think it's like, no, exactly. I think, I think it's the complete opposite. You know, I think it's like, being so much more confident in yourself and being able to do it. Um, and I think to me, there's, yeah, I'd say there's probably th three main things that I like consider that, you know, 
set me up for success and give me this right mindset. Um, the first one being, I think what a lot of people in LA do and a lot of people that I went to college with in New York do is like the physical wellness aspect. And I think, you know, working out as much as you can, like in the mornings and, you know, at least like, you know, not for looking good, but just feeling better and feeling like you're committing to something and doing that. Um, it's something I definitely did not do in college, you know, and when I look back, I'm like, damn, I would have been a lot more happier, like I would have been more stable, you know, more creative, like higher performing. And, you know, I think I loved Penn and I did as much as I could. And honestly, I don't think I don't know how I would have fit in more. But I'm like, things would have just been better if I'd actually taken care of that physical aspect. And I think, you know, when you're grinding, especially as a founder, if you're a team of one, like you let a lot of things fall to the wayside. Um, so I think it's important to take your breaks, take your walks, like get some air, get some sun. And I think that's huge. Um, number two for me is mental wellness. Um, and this is something I'm really, really big on, um, you know, on my calendar, like I have my workouts like every single morning, but I also have my therapy session every single Monday and it's public and it's available and it's just as visible as I have the gym. Wow. And I don't think that's something a lot of people do. You know, a lot of my friends like lie about what they're doing when they take a break to go to their therapy session before wow. like coming back because, you know, in banking and finance and these like hardcore industries, like it's like a weakness necessarily, or it's like, oh, why do you need therapy? I, to me, therapy is like my, I have, I have my personal trainer who comes twice a week and we like work out. And once a week I go to like my mental trainer and we just talk things out and it just makes me a stronger person for the week. And I, you know, we talk about AB testing, like the weeks that I don't go, I am definitely a little moodier and a little more tired and less performing than the weeks that I do go. Um, the third is just the most LA and that's just the wellness recovery aspect. And that's something I got into very recently at the start of this year. Have you heard of remedy place by any chance? No, okay. but I'm um, eager. Tell me. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to take you sometime, but it's a social wellness club. <laughs> um, Exclusive. Yeah. You gotta pay a member. No, no. Well, yes, I am a member, but only cause you got yeah, bang for your buck. Um, anyone can go. Um, but yeah, this place is awesome. It's on Sunset and it's also in New York, um, but it's, you know, ice baths, cryotherapy. Wow. Um, did I say sound baths or did I say ice baths? You said ice baths. Ice baths and sound baths. <laughs> cryotherapy, stretching, um, hyperbaric chamber, which increases your oxygen flow. Like all these like Kim Kardashian, Drake, little Bi toys and things. But like since I started doing ice baths, like my brain has been running like, two x i'd say like it's, it's crazy it's insane right? i love them and i know like it's annoying and no one shuts up about it <laughs> when they do an ice bath but like i really recommend it and i've been taking all my friends and they all love it and yeah i think if you combine you know taking care of yourself mentally and physically with you know a little like self-reflection and like quiet time like it can be really powerful and you know i have friends who work like 16 hour 18 hour days sometimes and I really wish I could like shake them and make them do all this because like I hate seeing like, you know, the life that they lead in, in those ways. Yeah. I mean, you notice people on edge or being moody or reactive and you're like, damn, if you could just please meditate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, this is I don't know where I came up with this, but I think the people who need to meditate most want to least. do it the least. <laughs> yeah, they want it the least. And, I know. And I. I I rather than resent it, I empathize with them because I'm like, dude, you could be so much lighter and like oh, yeah. happier if you just like, you know, one of my best friends is he just works like 16 hour days. And I'm like, are you going to do any time for recovery? You mm -hmm. know, I know um, because it's it's especially bad because it's like they work so hard. I don't know. I'm, I'm geared to like New York culture, which I know like very well because that's very hustly. But the moment you're out on a Friday, you just head to the bar. <laughs> and that's their therapy yeah. yeah and and we all do it every now and then you know but like it's it's that's what i love about la i think it's allowed me to craft my own world and kind of journey there and and it's just yeah i'm very happy right now so yeah i, mean, I, I, I can tell your yeah. your energy is lightweight you you weren't nervous i mean we we 
uh, met for the first time when you came on the show because I invited you. So this is your first interaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of my dog nipping at your leg, very embarrassing. For me, but uh, no, you know, just so adorable. yeah, he's great. Um, but you know, just you can you can tell when somebody's energy is clear. You mm-hmm. know, when they they have like a spiritual glow to them, and and I I, I noticed that right away. You were very confident, and, and and you know, you felt welcome and and able, and that level of permission, just knowing like. I'm allowed to be doing whatever I want to be doing. And I think you don't really get that unless you have that kind of mindfulness habit. And so um, I, I've Thank been... You. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's honest. Like it's yeah. authentic. And I'm not, I don't have any shame in saying it because it's true. Um, but I, I've been aiming my friends toward like, first of all, a bunch of my friends have stopped drinking, including myself. I drink like barely ever because yeah. I just, the ROI isn't there for me. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're, you're hungover, you're grumpy, like... It, if I just don't go to the gym in the morning and don't get my cold shower and hot steam, I notice it physically. Mm-hmm. I'm like grumpier and more reactive with my team. And when you're managing a team of 20 people, like you can't be grumpy. No. That is not an option. Otherwise, it makes a really hostile work environment. So I've been organizing my friends. Like we have this this uh, tradition on Sundays called Asian Sunday. And we go to K-Town and oh we, we go to the spa and we do the sauna, the steam, like the, you know, the cold baths it. and and then we go get a massage and then we go so eat, much better than losing noodles. brunch isn't it <laughs> like you feel way better you actually talk to your friends sober and connect and like learn about their lives like yeah like and plus i think this is something that people don't understand like um when you are in a mindfulness environment let's just say you did a sound bath or you did yoga afterward awkwardness is very low mm-hmm. because you, everyone is pretty vulnerable so nobody's got this like kind of like stuffy you versus me mindset mm-hmm. everyone is just in this kind of like what's up you know and yeah and it makes you vibe and so like that's why i'm like man if we could just like a lot of times when i hang out with my friends it's, we're doing mindfulness stuff we're doing like you know the spa experience or we're going for a hike and it's just that's the la way and i know people make fun of it but it's like everyone is in great shape people's energy yeah, people make high. fun of it, but they love it like i i again i was in new york two weeks ago and Usually when I go, it's, you know, martinis and then going out and then Brooklyn and repeat and rinse and repeat yeah, like three like days. 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Right, and instead I was like, hey, guys, like meet me at this place. And like me and my three girlfriends, like all did ice baths and then like got salads together. And it was all really <laughs> healthy. But like I'm like so wholesome. Yeah. And like it, it was just like, you know, normally yeah you get rid of that awkwardness with like that glass of wine or that martini or whatever and instead you know we're just like in our bathing suits in like freezing cold water just like egging each other on but like it was such a bonding experience and like healthy and way better than anything else we could have done yeah i mean personally i i enjoy it more because then i get to have like more meaningful conversation with them it's not like loud ass music and i'm like trying to talk over it Mm. and there's not this kind of like um, the meat market culture is in there strong. And yeah. so it's like, I can just like talk to people for who they are. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's really cool. And I think it's a big shift. That's you still got to like boogie every now and then though. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I mean, you, you saw the pictures on the wall. We've like, you know, throwing big parties and stuff and I'm for all sure. for it, you know, but, um, you know, I think, I don't know if you've been to this place. It's called air baths in New York. Have you heard I of it? I think so. No. So it's like, a, a Turkish bathhouse in New York city. It is beautiful. Like everything is made out of like marble and um, the pink salt. Wait, is it the one on Governor's Island? No, it's not on Governor's Island. Okay. I think it's in like Midtown. Okay. But anyway, I encourage anybody who hasn't been there. But it's they they filmed um, Billions, the show there. It's and Justin Bieber's gone there. It's like a big, it's like bougie oh, like that. If Bieber's been there, I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, <laughs> sign, sign I'm, I'm, I'm running over. <laughs> but yeah, the that that was like the nicest Turkish bath. It's like underground. It's, it's pretty ominous. You like go into this like storefront and, and then it's got like, you know, nice dark finishes and couches and stuff. And then you go down into the basement. And so it's in, in New York City, but it's underground. And it's just this, um, they have like a salt water pool and like, um, I, for, I forget what it's called, but the, the salt water that's so dense that you float on it. Oh yeah. So you can literally like lay that sea water. Yeah, yeah, dead yeah. sea, dead sea. And, um, and then they have the, the room where you like uh, have like the, little Turkish woman like do like the treatment on oh, you yeah. and stuff. So anyway, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool to see that people are like, I, I don't like the term waking up, but like just, uh, becoming aware. Yeah. Like, becoming, yeah, becoming yeah. is a good word for it, you know, self-actualizing and becoming, and, and it just creates like a, 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 a growth in it in like a, a healthy environment. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's all about the growth mindset. Like yeah. you want to foster that as much as you can. Yeah, dude. Well, 
Anyway, bro, look, I know you're a busy man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I think it's been awesome to get to know you. Definitely yeah. like to hang out sometime. But, um, you know, thank you for sharing all your stories. And I guess my last question for you is um, how can we support Santi? Is it is it downloading the app? Is it going to give you a follow on IG? Is it signing up for an email list? Like how can we, you know, this is your moment to plug. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Um, of course, definitely need to plug Lucra Sports and Games. Um, I think it's an awesome app, I think. If you're into sports or want to be into sports, it's all peer to peer, and you use the promo code <laughs> Santi Sports, which That's is right. my username. Um, so you can even just send me your first wager. My site, I'll literally accept anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and more than that, you know, from a business perspective, I definitely I'm trying to be more active on the old LinkedIn. Um, you know, even just more casual with my thoughts and advertising and random ads I see. Um, so that's Santi Pereira on LinkedIn and Santi Graham on Instagram. But that's more for the fun if you're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> for the party, baby. Uh, but no, really appreciate it. It was a really yeah, good time. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on the show. I'm excited to, to see what you do in these next coming months and years. For sure.